0: And hear from best-selling authors' insight into
1: how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with me here today as we spend more time focused on you, how you can thrive, how you can succeed, be all that you can be, and live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm so grateful to have you here with us. Today, we're talking about what is your next What are you gonna do next? Where are you in life? Knowing who you are and where you are and then deciding what your next is. Maybe it is the job or the company that you run and you're gonna stay there. Maybe it's a whole brand new company. Maybe it's a whole new career and what are the methodologies to really truly get a powerful new career if you want to? Or maybe it's how am I going to elegantly get myself out of the business I'm currently in and exit from it in a powerful way that makes my life better. I've got three amazing guests. In fact, this show is so jam-packed that I'm going to run basically no commercials. I'll just be jumping in and out between guests to uh, give you a little bit of information and connect between each of the guests. And other than that, we're just going to go right through these three amazing guests as we help you talk about what is your next and show you how to live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. With that said, here we go. Join me in welcoming Kelly Thornton. Hey, Kelly, how are you doing today?
0: Good, Steve, how are you?
1: I'm doing really good, thanks for asking. So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world.
0: Hmm. I'm a guy that's um, had a few businesses. It's my uh, third business that I currently own. It's called Tiege Hanley. Um, Tiege is a family name and uh was able luckily was able to realize that by looking at the old family bible and seeing that uh the hanleys had a uh, had a boy named teej back in the 1400s i thought it was an interesting name so i trademarked uh, trademarked and um got the url for teej um and uh i've just very bit, been very interested in um you know in having uh running and owning my own businesses and uh being an entrepreneur and getting up every day and fighting the good fight. And um, so in my third company, it's an, an uncomplicated skincare for men. We, uh, we have skincare routines that we ship to thousands of guys every month in a, in a box. So that's, that's a little bit about me. I've, I did spend 20 years in the corporate world, but I've had, um, I've had a couple of businesses and I'm very excited to be on the seventh year of uh, T-Shanley.
1: That's awesome. So tell us all about it. What um what makes it simple and easy to use for men who do not take good care of their skin?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, so no matter where you are in your skincare journey, like we just have a couple different options. We have very simple, just you know, use a high quality face wash and a moisturizer. To, um, you know, a, 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 our basic box, which is called the essentials box. It includes a couple of different moisturizers, a face wash and a scrub. Or if you're like me, a little bit older, worried about mother nature, you know, um, we have a couple anti-aging boxes. So we, we create help, healthy skincare routines for guys. You get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you wash your face with our product, you put a moisturizer on as an SPF. And then uh, you go about your day and repeat again before you get in
1: bed and um, you'll see outstanding results. love that. So, um, you know, give me a little bit of insight into the background. What what got you going that direction with business after everything else you've done?
0: Yeah, well, I wasn't feeling great about myself. I, I realized that I was getting a little bit older and I needed to uh, start taking my, care of myself a little bit more. And, you know, for, for me, Steve, that just doesn't mean taking care of my skin, um, which obviously is a big part of it. But thinking about how I'm eating, thinking about, you know, how much sleep I'm getting, how much i'm exercising um you know if you're anything like me you realize the older you get the harder it is to stay in shape um and to be disciplined about things so you know i really was going down the path of um realizing that i wasn't having healthy healthy habits in my life so uh that's what kind of got me started and then just looking you know i had a background in retail realizing that skincare for men was not only something that was an emerging market but wasn't something that guys were really thinking about. Um, and I, I noticed that there were some changes in the way guys were thinking about taking care of themselves. And I thought it would be a great opportunity to
1: simplify it for everybody out there. Love that. So um, where does a person start? You know, I mean, a lot of guys, um, if, if they even use a bar of soap on their skin, um, that's a real step for them. So um, what's the easy point of entry? Where should a guy start out?
0: Yeah. You know, I, I believe like, I'm I'm reading this book right now about, um, healthy habits and, um, you know, I just think that trying to, in anything in life, you know, my, my personal experience, Steve is like, just try to, to, to make, you know, one small step change, um, and really believe in the power of that change. Um, so, you know, just getting started on skincare is just one you know, one step in, in the process of wanting to live a little healthier life. And it's all just about waking up in the morning and and using like a super high quality face wash, um, you know, on your face. And as a matter of fact, like my friends and I from work travel and we'll check into a hotel and, um, we'll say, all right, we'll meet you back down here for a meeting at X, Y, Z time. And, um, we come down and look at each other and say, did you wash your face while you're up there? And, um, we all like, you know, nod yes. Um, I think like just just getting into the habit of using like super high quality face wash, keeping um, pollution off your face, especially if you're traveling, if you're in and out of the car a lot, um, you know, that's a good place to start.
1: Yeah, that is definitely a good place to start. So um, what are some of the things that, uh, you know, we don't know that should be included in our basic face wash and stuff like that so that it's really good for us and not just, you know, something we're putting on our face. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, there's a lot to it. I mean, right. First off, I don't want to be sophomore, but women have known this for a long time and they've been, you know, they paid attention to the beauty and skincare industry and market forever. And I think, you know, there's, we could probably talk for a while, Steve, just about how, you know, um, ladies get, educated about the importance of taking care of their skin and develop healthy routines guys just you know we just don't get that course uh generally speaking from you know from our from our father at least i didn't um so you know there, there's a huge difference between just using water on your face um, or a bar soap um and you know i you know and even the concept of using um, like hand soap that's next to your to your sink on your face. I mean, what you want to do is you want to keep a really good balance in a pH balance between the natural sebum that you're, uh, which is, you know, oil and excretions that your skin create naturally. Um, you want to keep a good balance between, you know, a, a, a protection of, of, of your natural skin. Um, at the same time, we're being very cleansing. And so, you know, you want a cleanser that's not going to dry out your skin too much and it's going to actually help moisturize, uh, you you know, your, uh, your skin. So a lot of natural occurring, um, elements, you know, that our, our ancestors knew that are very, that are very helpful to your skin, like willow bark extract and certain, um, certain oils like eucalyptus oil is really, really good for both moisturizing your skin and keeping, keeping moisture in your skin so that you don't your your let your skin doesn't get leathery leathery um over you know over as you hit your 40s and 50s that you don't start looking like a football and um so just using something that that is gentle on your skin doesn't strip it too much has a good pH balance and leaves some natural um uh moisture in your skin and oils on your skin while also adding a moisturizer and some essential oils that that is a huge, huge step forward in having a great looking complexion.
1: Mm, That sounds good. So tell me the other direction of it. If, if we don't, you know, I mean, if a guy just doesn't take care of his skin, um, what, what are the possible things that could happen?
0: Well, the the number one thing we talk about all the time here is, is melanoma. I I actually just met with a woman on Sunday. Um, and she had, um, you know, I think I think I, I want to say she said 24, but that seems like an incredible amount. She had stitches and she had, you know, melanoma removed from her cheek. Um, and she had big bandage over it. Um, and obviously I felt pretty bad for her, but, you know, skin cancer is the most common form of cancer. And it's also the most common in men, we, we get it much more than women. And that's just because we're not, you know, we're not even wearing hats enough when we go out, um, out of the house. And it's, you know it doesn't matter where you live i live in chicago so we're in northern state but um you know the rays here sun rays are very are very um you know are very hard on your skin so you you need to you know wash your face we just talked about just every day we put i put a moisturizer on i wash my face and put a morning a daytime moisturizer with spf on so even if a light barrier like an, a light spf like 20 um will keep your skin moisturized all day and pretty much give you you know, lightweight protection from melanoma, which is, you know, you just don't want to get it. You don't want to get on your lips, your ears, or your face. So, um, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to help guys think about.
1: Perfect. Love that. So, um, what is the best way for a person to begin to look at your suite of products and figure out which one is best for them?
0: Yeah. It's simple. I mean, just start, just starting to be, you know, if you, if you're, if you're a guy that's had some experience with skincare, and by the way, that could be very simple too. That could be just like, you know, I had acne when I was younger. So I did, you know, I used a, like a cleansing pad and a, and a, you know, a, an acne wash or rinse. Um, if you have some sort of experience, you know, you, and you're, and you're, you're over 30, you may consider, you know, our, a more advanced, um, box like our anti-aging boxes, but just our essentials box is where you start, you know, it has a wash in it and it has uh, a, a daytime moisturizer you put in the morning as a nighttime moisturizer in the evening, you wash your face and put a moisturizer before you go to bed, which is high in coll- collagen, um, high in several different, um, uh, organic chemicals that are really good for your face, um, like hexapeptide eight and a few other things. So, you know, I, I I would just start there. That that box also includes a, a scrub that you use, you know, twice a week. I use mine in the shower on Sundays and Wednesdays. It exfoliates your face, uh, your skin on your face. So that's where you start. Just keep it simple.
1: And you told us the name of the company, but give us the contact information and spell that for us so that we for sure yeah. are spelling it correctly.
0: Yeah, it's it's Tiege, T-I-E-G-E, and our URL is Tiege.com, T-I-E-G-E.com. But um, the name is Tiege Hanley, and like I said, it's a family name. You know, it's something that, um, you know, I thought I really wanted to use for for this business. I thought if there's, you know, great companies out there like Paul Mitchell and Vidal Sassoon and uh, on and on and on, that we could be a great men's-focused personal care company. Uh, using Tiege Hanley as a name. And, um, you know, it's stuck. A lot of guys, you know, it takes a minute to get used to it, but a lot of guys can, you know, remember the name of our company. And um, we're just very fortunate, you know, to have have a company that's rooted in, you know, a deep family uh, tradition. And that's TiegeHanley.com. It's just Tiege.com, T-I-E-G-E. Yep. And we're widely available across any platform um just type in tiege and we come up you know pretty much everywhere instagram youtube um you know any google searches there's thousands of pieces of content out there um we we publish you know in the neighborhood of 500 pieces of content a month we've been doing it for years and years so there's a ton of information everything you want to know from the science behind our products, to who's who's using them, who's endorsed them, and um, you know everything is out there. So please um, look us up if you're interested.
1: Perfect, I love that. Well, before we go, leave us with some words of encouragement about taking better care of our skin as men.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it's uncomplicated, and I, I strongly encourage all men out there, um, you know, to think about uh, their personal health. And you know, and getting the right sleep and making sure they're going to the doctors and they're they're really concerned about what they're eating um, it's not I don't think it's about me as an individual. I look at it as I want to be around to help my family um, be a good father, be a good husband, um, you know, be a good le- leader in business. taking care of your skin is just part of it. if you if you do a good job and take care of your skin every day, it you will notice results. People will say to you, hey, your skin, looks better, you look better, what's going on different, did you get your hair cut, whatever. So I I strongly encourage whether or not it's, you know, our products or other products out there, use a great facial moisturizer um, that has an SPF in it. And, um, you know, and if you are concerned about anti-aging, you you think about some eye cream and serum and things like that. And um, you'll be shocked at how how much
1: impact it will have on your skin. Well, Kelly, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today.
0: Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it.
1: You see a need, you meet the need, you do the things that you know how to be able to do and surround yourself with a team of people that can help make it even better and you grow this amazing idea that you had into a company that even possibly changes the world. And it's a totally next for you and you find that what your next is, is that thing that you were just passionate about or that great idea that you had, now, blows up, it grows into a whole new business for you, and you can then say, hey, of all the things that I've done, I'm really excited about getting to do this thing as my next. The question to ask yourself is, what is your next? How can I go from where I am right now to living every day of my life as a thriving entrepreneur? I hope that you are thinking about that as you're listening to each of these guests, and you will continue doing that as we talk to our next guest. So with that said, let's jump right in. Join me in welcoming Anish Manjumdar. How are you doing today, Anish? Good, Steve, how are you? I am great, thanks. So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world.
2: Uh, I'm a career coach. Uh, I'm going on my 13th year of being a career coach, which, believe me, no one's more surprised by that uh, than I am. we've uh, i've i've um my focus is on getting people out of what i call job search hell and it is something that uh is near and dear to me um i started out you know as um I, I grew up in in montreal canada um very shy introverted kid uh and my initial path was as an actor and then as a journalist uh and all through that all through that kind of long and winding path um the only way that you kind of make it happen in those paths is to get sort of entrepreneurial with it is to is to, you know, build the relationships instead of waiting for for permission, finding ways to sort of access uh, the opportunity in uncommon ways. And so as I was doing that, uh, as a sideline, I started working with job seekers, you know, helping them with their resume, applying my talents as a writer to help them better present their journey and and drum up more activity, etc. And as I kept doing that, the The problem I kept running into was that I could rebrand them as much as I want to unless they themselves had changed what they're doing and start looking at themselves not as just another mindless candidate who's looking to fit, uh, you know, some role that uh, Big Brother tells you. But but to realize that a part of the success journey is to de-link from that. A part of the success journey is whether you look at yourself as an entrepreneur or not everyone has to be entrepreneurial in terms of success right now and everyone has to be moving or at least those who succeed need to be moving in a direction where owning and controlling what you can do and making the generation of new abundance easy that has to be more important to you than the myth of a dream job a dream spouse a dream house i don't know i don't care what you what you want to you know uh, say it and so really uh truly the focus of me and my team it's not really about getting you new jobs. I would say it's changing that mindset fully, once and for all, so that you're not thinking about the the solution to what ails you as being, you know, sucking off the teat of uh, yet another employer, you know? And I think that's really important, especially now.
1: Mm, absolutely. So, you know most of us were raised by parents who told us to get good educations and good skills and go out and get that quote unquote dream job but where do you go from
2: there it's like okay so i'll give you your your dream job tomorrow let's say you're a candidate okay so game over like what, what, what do we do it's kind of the same thing as you know people will say i've been married for over 10 years now and you know in my single days it was like wait till i find the one but to think like that is to assume it's game over. And and I think I speak for anyone who's had a long-term relationship. It just begins at the marriage. You're working on it every day. It's an ongoing narrative and it's an ongoing thing that you're creating. So where is the the value or the validation in that if all you're doing is sitting on your laurels saying, yeah, I got it, I got it, that's a divorce. And it's the same thing with a job, by the way. You get your perfect job, great check back in with me in two years. I doubt you'll have it because, because if I'm the boss there and I'm seeing you basically coast at your dream job for two years, dude, you're out.
1: Oh, right? that's such good advice. Oh, I love that. So, um, we get our quote unquote dream job. Um, what should be our approach to really shining then in that place?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful question. I, um, the the biggest, uh, if you want to call it uh, guarantee of real success at any role actually happens before the offer comes in. Um, what we found in coaching thousands of people um, over these years is that uh, The key lever point is how you got the role and what the underpinning factors behind why that employer went into business with you and hired you for that role both of which by the way are strongly negotiable so if we're saying just broadly speaking how uh if we say the how and we say the why so if the how in terms of how you got that role was through a job posting uh there's a major disadvantage for a lot of reasons but the the chief one is simply it's a human one you know we do business and want to do business with people that we know like and trust so Regardless of how qualified you are or how qualified you may be on the resume, uh, at the end of the day, you had no other way of getting on my radar than basically spending 40 minutes re-uploading your resume on Indeed or Monster. That says something to me about regardless of what you say, what's your actual influence, what's your actual power is. If you come in that way, uh, and it's important to understand this, a job posting... Uh, has a lot of fake attributes. It has a lot of uh, requirements that are sort of nonsensical. You have to be able to cut through all of that and get to a place of truth. And that's going to be hard for you to do when you're competing with 150, 200, or however many people that, that they are. Okay. Same person, but instead of them waiting around and saying, oh, look, there, there you go. Company X is, is hiring for something. They take the bull by the horns and they say, look, let me stop a branding myself as just another job seeker let me take off that really dumb open to work uh hashtag i see on linkedin which does not work uh and stop branding myself in terms of i'll take anything and look at my skills you know let me ask if i were to ask myself what what am i actually paid for right like if if i'm a marketing director you're actually not paid to market right you're paid to grow that company so if i started to look at it and say okay instead of putting out all these skills What if I started positioning myself as an expert who can spark growth at the high level and do it as only I can do in the way that I've learned throughout the course of my entire journey. If I started branding myself that way, I would have the ability to build relationships right at the high level, and this is very critical. You cannot be perceived as a a transactional job seeker. You've gotta have something else going for yourself in order to do that. So if you can change the how there, you can change the relationships that you're building, and it's very important to understand this, The hidden job market is just a fancy name to say all of the jobs that are available that will never make it to a job posting eight, nine, 10, 15 times what you're looking at uh, in any in any region. Right. The only way you get that is through building the relationships. And the thing that's stopping people is that their first impression, what they're putting out to the world is transactional. It's basically look at me. Uh, The only reason I'm even on LinkedIn. It's because I either need a job or my boss said I needed to be here, right? So change that first so you can start the process of building relationships at that high level. And once you start doing that, the the focus becomes, if you can, and we certainly teach our clients this all the time, if you learn that there are different ways to dialogue with someone beyond simply interviewing Right if you understand that there's a way that you can build relationships that allow you to start identifying real pain that's going on there as equal to equal and start helping equal to equal. Now you start identifying those job opportunities and once you do that, the second part right we're talking about how the why here the why is going back to the job posting if you never get past the job posting if your your sole strategy and i've seen people do this is i'm gonna pretend like based on a job posting that's my entire life like my brand my resume it's all that okay if you do that right you're never gonna even if you make it to the last round right you're never gonna get trusted by the employer because look at the end of the day, and even an employer understands that job posting is not the end all and the be all. And you weren't able to get this to a to a deeper place. So I might give you the offer, but I'm giving it to you as someone who is fundamentally on the outs and someone who is, you're not a creator, you have no vision. You're 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 a sprocket, basically, in there. So great come on in, solve the problems that I need you to solve. And as soon as I can marginalize and get you out, I definitely will, right? Because there's no other reason for you to be here. And that's what we see. People who come in a lot cold, who are unable to change the context and figure out the 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 true underpinnings of what's you know making that hire happen, they get marginalized after the fact. They get basically sabotaged after the fact, so they have to leave one way or the other. The key with, with however you pursue a job posting or or a company or a relationship is to understand what is keeping this person up at night. When they wake up at two, three in the morning, like if I'm talking to you, you might be talking to me thinking, oh, I need help with a resume. I need help with LinkedIn. But pal, that is not why you're here. What I need to know from you is the same that every single candidate, every single person who's interested in getting a new opportunity needs to find out when you wake up in the middle of the night. And the demons are raging and you're looking at yourself in the mirror right i want to know what is on your mind there is it your inability to provide for your loved ones is it the fact that you feel you felt like a failure for the last four years five years because of this boss that you've had right is it what is it if that's if you get an employer to that place right and anyone can do this right if you move them to a place where they're telling you look the reason we're trying to find this marketing director it's not because things are perfect like in the job posting the real reason is because we tried to hire two two of them before it didn't work the last one really didn't work very well and at the same time um since the pandemic we've we've we, you know we've lost you know our events management business which was accounting for 40 percent of our business and there's no end insight to that pain right so that's the truth behind why they're hiring for that marketing director. You're not going to see any of that information on a job posting. But that is indeed the 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 job of a, if we want to call it a candidate or as I like to call it, an expert in your own right. Right. Your job is to investigate and find out that information because the first person who finds it and credibly aligns to it gets the offer.
1: So as you've been saying all that such brilliantly insightful kind of things, One of the thoughts that came to my mind is, especially since the pandemic, a lot of people have gone to contract work. And, you know, when you're talking about somebody who is or wants to be a contract employee, just as an example, um, does that same kind of concept work when you're going to say postings on and up?
2: Yeah, you know, uh, I think that uh, I think that people tend to get um too hung up on those on that label of like, oh, I'm looking for full-time versus consulting or part time. It's not really your concern in, in in a really in in some sense. Like what I what I mean is uh your job as someone who's looking out for your career, right, is to A, start helping everyone, right, to the best of, of your ability, including the wide swath of people that you, you might not do business with in that way. And B, if you identify the kind of pain that you want to solve and the and just as importantly, the company, the, the client that you're talking with, meets your criteria of what you think is going to make it work or not, then you guys have a decision, right? You guys have, a, have, a, have, a, have, a, have something to talk about in terms of structuring the role, structuring that solution. But for me, what I would simply say is uh, investigate, identify, let that deal with itself once the pain has been identified. And uh, I think what everyone will find right, is once you do that, you're gonna find a partner on the other side, right? That's what it's all about, right? So that that would be my that would be my thing. Is is in some sense it doesn't matter, and no, the the approach itself uh, should not change. You know, all of this um, one thousand percent applies. You know what I mean? Uh, wh- regardless of what of what type of role you're looking
1: at. Mm, I love that so much. So really, it basically boils down to before you go to look for a job, dream job, or just something to pay the bills, either way. Know who you are, know what you bring to the the place and then go find the place that you can shine as the best version of yourself in whatever role, whatever company that might be. Is that overly simplified or is that a pretty good way of putting what you've been telling us?
2: If all you want is a way to pay the bills, I, I, I never understood that way of thinking because you have to work just as hard to get a role that pays the bills as you would getting a role, you know, that actually, you know, fulfills something in you. Okay, so A, I would say, It's a bad strategy for you to be in the kind of survivalist mode to be thinking you just need something to pay the bills like go after something real you have an amazing built in amount of leverage that you can easily use to build a relationship with me get me on the phone. uh, Talk about what's going on explore the pain it's just that people don't use it right, and so those two things working in conjunction will help in a major major way Uh, assess don't interview in other words you should be asking most of the questions you should be directing the conversation in an, in an authentic way through those questions you should have clear harsh criteria in terms of what you are looking at that is one of the most powerful ways that you can establish authority we have our in-house link hired auto solution which basically it's a linkedin approved platform that allows you to overlay on linkedin manage all the outflow all the networking all the reach so that basically you're managing calls you're managing conversations and relationships you don't have to do that obviously there are other ways that you can do it you can use email etc but probably the scariest thing in all of this right i can talk about and we can talk about mindset all day but let's just be very real none of us listening none of you listening are getting anywhere unless you're meeting new people that you don't know and what i realized in first through desperation building these high level relationships and understanding is like all of these executives all of these people that we're all so intimidated by they're making all of these decisions in a vacuum and when you come with a process and you come with questions and you come with a way to shine light and say hey explain this journey to me explain what you were doing here explain why there was a 30 percent attrition rate that was going on here what were you trying to achieve when you hold up that mirror You're giving powerful intrinsic value to that other person. You don't have to
1: prove, you don't have to pitch, you're doing it. Like you said, it's really all about um, knowing yourself and being the person that the company wants to hire versus begging the company to hire you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Even though, and I know that that's hard to, there's a part of me as well. I mean, there's a part of all of us that wants to do well. You know what I mean? Like, and that's a good it's a good quality to have, but it's this it, it is a counterintuitive thing that the elements that make us say yes, but that's the magic that immediately differentiates you. You know, um I've hired people for my company and the person, uh, Pat, who heads up all of our sales um, operations, when I hired him, I was not looking for someone to, to, to head up all of that. There were no real sales operations. There were some calls that I needed help with, right? But he was the only person that could look at the problem and say, Anish, I've been thinking about this. Here's the company that you've told me that you wanna build, right? Here's here's the the, the change that you wanna see you know, in people's lives. I wanna help you do that. And the way that I think we can do that is to take it further than what you're doing here and actually run this whole vision. What would I, what would I say? What, What would I challenge? How urgent would I be right in terms of, um, standing up for this or standing up for what's right versus what's wrong, right? Personalizing the pain as you discover it, is probably one of the most powerful things that you can do to immediately become the one and only, right? And if I was Steve, if I was coaching you with someone who has, uh, the incredibly unique background and clear unique value that you that you bring to it. My thinking would 100% be that. I would never be thinking about like how do I differentiate you from the competition. We all have this earned leverage and power. Not all of us, but many of us throughout the course of our of our of our journey. And almost to a man or a woman, Steve, I will tell you the the biggest uh, problem I have seen. It's not strategy or logistics or networking, although those things play a role. It's self-belief, you know, and it's people, all of us, like the more of a high performer you are, the more likely it is that you are destroying yourself mentally, you know, on this on this journey, you know. Um, that's the that's the part that probably needs a friend, a coach, a collaborator, uh, as much as someone who can, you know, teach and, and hold you accountable.
1: I love that. Well, Anish, for somebody that wants to work with you, how can they get in contact with you?
2: lowenish.com would would uh, would probably be the uh, the best place. That's our headquarters on the internet. Uh, you can go deeper into our free trainings, um, we're always sharing uh, updates, trainings right from the trenches in terms of what's working and what's not. Uh, also from that site. Um, uh, you'll be able to uh take our master class if you want uh, called the new rules of the job search uh kind of lays out uh what we see here for the for the year ahead shares kind of our best practices in terms of how to bring this into action and and if you want to work with us you uh you can certainly take that master class you'll see the link in the in the home and you can reach out to my team afterwards but even if you don't that thousands of people take it, many, many, many people have benefited it and used it to get faster job offers on the table without ever doing anything with us. So uh, that would probably be the first and best place. Uh, the other one, I am on LinkedIn, so if you're on LinkedIn and you're hustling up, uh, put in A-N-I-S-H, uh, Anish, and uh, career, uh, and you should see me, definitely hit me up with a follow. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing uh, a similar strategy there of updating all of our followers on strategies Tips, things that are actually working and kind of fighting a little bit of the misinformation that's going out there as well.
1: Well, Anish, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today.
2: Uh, thank you, and Thanks for the uh, amazing insightful questions as well. I really appreciate it.
1: What is a possible new career for you and how can you be in the driver's seat so that you don't just go and get another job, just find a way to get by, get through, but you really truly are building a career that fulfills your life, that is meeting your own personal needs and is your next in life. What is your next? What are the things that you should do, can do, could do that will help you live as a thriving entrepreneur. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, what are the things that you can maximize while it's called today? How can you be the best version of you just simply while it's called today? And I hope that you possibly, if you're thinking about a new career or even if you're looking, that you were able to really learn some great nuggets of things that you can do to be able to not just be out there looking for a job, but really help yourself find a career. With that said, we're going to help you continue to find out what is your next and talk about being a thriving entrepreneur as we jump in to our next guest. Join me in welcoming Nate Lind. Hey, Nate, how are you doing today?
3: I'm doing fantastic. How are you?
1: I am doing really good. Thanks for asking. So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world.
3: Absolutely. Well, I've been a serial entrepreneur uh, pretty much all of my adult life. I had uh, two distinct careers, one in real estate developing projects, um, buying fixer-uppers and and reselling them, and also buying and selling pools of mortgages, and then a career in e-commerce, buying uh, supplements from a contract manufacturer and then reselling them uh, under my own private label all around the world, Um, and I sold quite a few of them. I got to a point where I was doing a lot of speaking engagements, talking about uh, how to do performance marketing and digital marketing. And then um, through that process, I sold a business and um, had kind of a kick-to-the-gut moment when I was spending more time working on my business than I was spending time with my family and uh, remembered that when I first became an entrepreneur, it was from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I really wanted uh, some passive income and the freedom to be able to spend more time with family and and the ability to travel around the world and explore a little bit as a sort of thing that this young boy from Midwest Kansas <laughs> never really got a chance to do. So selling a business was really the way that I was able to uh, achieve that sort of change in life. And um, I'm a business broker now, so I help other people sell their businesses.
1: I love that. And your book is called Maximum Exit. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book and what inspired you to write it and what it's about.
3: Yeah, well, I, I tend to answer the same questions over and over. And, uh, you know, for me, when before I became a business broker, uh, I did not realize how uh, vociferous the, um, or voracious the buying network was. There's literally tens of thousands, over a hundred thousand buyers on uh, the website closures marketplace looking for businesses. We have over a hundred businesses listed for sale. It's like real estate. We, we're like the MLS of online businesses, digital businesses, internet businesses, technology based businesses. And there are, are people out there and companies and institutional investors, individual investors are looking for these businesses. And I just didn't realize that until I met the, uh, the co-founders of the company. And, um, i now that i've been with the company for over three years, I have my own franchise i've got two associate brokers that you know we 're constantly wheeling and dealing um, I still find that most people don't understand that there is such a strong market for people interested in cash flowing you know two year old or older. Uh, entrepreneurial ventures, uh, maybe like what your clients have or your your audience has. So I wrote this book to answer some of the m- most common questions people want to understand: What's my multiple, or how much is my business worth? Uh, I get that all the time. I do free consultations for people and and help them understand the value of their business, whether they decide to go on to list it or not. Um, a lot of folks want to know who's buying. Like who are the actual people that are coming up with this kind of money, and and you know what are they looking for? How much do they pay? How do they pay it? So all of those are things that I get into in the book. Uh, it's a short read. It takes about an hour and a half to read. It's about 130 pages. And uh, I answer a number of other questions about how to sell your business for top dollar.
1: Mm, I love that. And you said there's also surprisingly a number of people who are interested in cash flowing a business that's two or more years older. Um did I hear that right? Am I saying that that's right said it okay,
3: yeah, that's it that's it. so that that's kind of like the baseline for our marketplace our uh our buyers are looking for businesses that are cash flowing they're looking for about you know two hundred two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year worth of cash flow and for the business to be about two years old. And often it's just a a mom and pop shop. It may just be the owner and his wife or, or, or spouse Uh, could be a couple of partners that are working together. They may not have a large team. That's another big misconception I, I have seen over the years is people think, well, I can't sell my business. I don't have a big staff. I don't have an executive team. I don't have, you know, people that are just like doing, you know, the day in and day out work. We sell businesses all the time that are owner operator um and a lot of the buyers are individual like accredited investors and they're looking for a new gig and something to be passionate about and um it, it tends to work out fabulously
1: so you're uh, more dealing with people who are looking for a company that has that 250 or so or more uh, of cash flow that are looking to sell out the uh, the majority if not all of their business versus somebody who's just looking for an investor to come and uh help them take it to the next level or whatever
3: that's exactly right our our marketplace is for majority exits it doesn't have to be all of it um a lot of times you know frequently we're selling maybe 50 60 70 80 of the business and then there's a the partnership then begins with somebody who's bringing in new money new fire new energy new excitement uh, new markets um new customers you know maybe strategic or or uh, or interesting synergies and they then they're combining forces and and moving on together with the intention of having a liquidity event later on um our marketplace is not for uh like crowdfunding or looking for seed investing we're not in a, an angel network um, we're you know we're not in the VC world we are uh, for mature and established businesses uh seeking an exit
1: You used an interesting word there, uh, mature and established businesses, because I know you've dealt with it a lot too, but I've dealt with a lot of entrepreneurs that mistake the cash flow and possibly even the lifestyle that they've created for themselves with their company actually being mature or profitable or purchasable.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, that's great that you point that out. Um, And. We're we're in this this segment that's called you know small small businesses and lower middle market in the world of mergers and acquisitions. That's where you know businesses under a hundred million dollars, under 150 million dollars sit. So that's where most entrepreneurial ventures end up. And those or start, and that's you know, just where they're at. Those ventures from the buyer's perspective are worth a multiple of its cash flow. So you can decipher. If you have no cash flow, you have no value. So it, it is important to focus on the cash flow of the business, and it's over the trailing twelve months. That tends to be the common uh, the common uh, calculation. It's the last twelve months. If it may, has made uh, two hundred thousand dollars and it's at a four times multiple, it's worth eight hundred thousand dollars. If it's only made twenty thousand uh, dollars and it's at a four x multiple, it's worth $80,000. And that's kind of the cold, hard, harsh truth of uh, mergers and acquisitions. Growth is kind of like the, you know, growth and gross revenue is kind of a metric that's used for uh, unicorn exits and, you know, venture capital, you know, SaaS exits that those are the ones, some of those that get the news, but we're selling 300 deals a year and it's all, Every single one of them is all based on the trailing twelve months cash flow of the business times a multiplier
1: okay, so um let's talk even a little bit more about this cash flow thing because uh, I've gone round and round with some people about it, and i'd really love your opinion on it so mm-hmm. if the current owner has good cash flow um, but They're not good about reinvesting it into the company. Does that still count as cash flow? Or how do you really make the determination as to what a company's really truly true cash flow is?
3: Yep, that's a great question. So I do this all the time. This is a part of my free consultation. I'm it's kind of like the doctor. Like you have to go into the doctor to to get a, a diagnosis before like you can really treat, you know, whatever it is. As the business broker, I analyze what's called the seller's discretionary earnings. So that's the that is the true cash flow of the business. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at Um, at the entrepreneur, the founders, uh, their income statement. I'm going to look at all the revenues coming in. I'm going to subtract out the cost of sales or the cost of uh, goods. I'm going to subtract out the operating expenses of the business. But I'm going to add back in uh, discretionary expenses. If they have a lease on a car, if they've got a cell phone that's for personal use, if they're using other parts of the business's cash flow to pay for their personal lifestyle, I add all that back in. So that becomes a, a benefit because that, that would be true cash flow that a buyer would be getting as well. They may not have a lease on a Tesla. They may not have a private jet. Maybe they're not using... Um, a cell phone plan for, you know, 20 family members or two family members, whatever it may be. I've seen some really interesting things in business books. I've seen nannies on it. I've seen a number of family members getting salaries and they're not even working in the business. It's just kind of the generosity of the founder of the company is paying the whole family, you know, on it for some tax deductions, or some tax savings. As long as the expenses that I'm adding back into the business are not legitimately required for the re- the production of ongoing revenue uh, when the buyer owns the business, that is what we call an add back. And I'll make sure that that's in the, the base number that's then used for uh, the multiplier uh, when calculating the business value.
1: Now, do you find when, that was interesting that you said, you know, 20 phones for family members and things like that. <laughs> do you find that when you find that The cash flow is more having been spent um, indiscretionarily, I know that's not a word, but I just made it up, um, (laughs) by the owner that that tends to make you look at the multiplier as less, or does it not really matter once you identify that number, this just is for that particular industry what the multiplier is?
3: Uh, you know, the multiplier really, there's 27 factors that go into the multiplier. So there's there's two parts of the valuation. There's analyzing what's the true cash flow. And then there's analyzing based on, on 27 factors of the business, what is the multiplier going to be? And again, that's like on a very case by case basis. But in, in this instance, if somebody has a whole lot of Discretionary expense, expenses that they've put on uh, the income statement. It doesn't do great from a credibility perspective, and from like a just a per, just the perspective of a buyer looking at it, thinking this will be easy to analyze. We're creating friction in the process. So we've taken what could have been a simple business that made two hundred thousand dollars a year, and we've obscured the two hundred thousand dollars, and now the buyer has to go through and figure out. Are we telling the truth? And then how can they believe us? So now they're starting to think, okay, God, there's all this extra work I'm going to have to do to agree to a an enterprise value that the, sell, the selling client is asking for. If they're asking for $800,000 and there's $200,000 of cash flow, but of that $200,000, $150,000 of that is discretionary expenses. If it's not Like simple things like cell phones and meals and travel, those most buyers don't care about. But it starts to get complicated when there's, you know, nuances to legal fees. Maybe there was estate planning that wasn't clearly marked. This is one that comes up all the time. If you've got somebody that's doing estate planning work for you, don't mark it as legal. Mark it as estate planning Um, because legal could mean a number of things that could be legitimate expenses the business will need for many, you know, for years to come. Um, I do a lot of work on this on this phase this, most of the time it's free consultation. So it's, it's for a client that's got these larger, mature businesses that that I can service. I, I'm going through and I'm literally I'm rewriting their chart of accounts. I'm working with their CPA or their bookkeeper to, to, to do some revisions to how the, uh, the income statements and the balance sheets look so that we can portray this in a simple way to the buyer. Because the more complicated it is, the more brain damage it is for the buyer to try to sort through it and figure out can they agree to a price that you're looking for.
1: And I think it's important to note to people that um, – Nobody wants to pay taxes. I'm not in any way suggesting that we cheat on our taxes, but you know, everybody wants to do everything that they can to minimize their taxes and anybody that comes in to buy your business knows and understands that part of it. But sometimes we get a little bit too imaginative and that could impact our exit.
3: The best, if anyone's listening to this, is ever thinking about selling their business, the easiest way to get all of your tax deductions and to have a frictionless, clean, simple financial Uh, um, uh, a set of financial uh, income statements and balance sheets for an operating entity is just have a pass-through LLC that is the operating entity. So let's say you're selling widgets online. All of the – everything that the company that's selling the online widgets or the service or whatever it is, leave that company super simple. It's a single-member LLC. It is doing all of the expenses and revenue, and it has its own bank account, and it's really clean, neat, and tidy you can transfer all of the owner benefit of that single member LLC as a pass-through entity to a holding company. Then you and your significant other, or if you've got business partners, you can have a holding entity that can be taxed in a variety of ways. It could be an LLC taxes as a C-Corp or an S-Corp. Uh, and you can, you can then do all of your discretionary expenses in that entity. So when we go to sell the business, you've got your travel expenses, you've got your telephone, you've got your, your, um your lease for your vehicle your nanny you know whatever it is that you're spending money on in the holding company not in the operating entity so then i can show the buyer the financials for the operating entity and match it to all the bank statements so we can get through due diligence without a bunch of brain damage when you're having to sort through and prove you know was this trip to you know las vegas was this a business expense or was this a personal expense probably both
1: I love that. So um, what's the downside to getting to a place where you off your business? What, what are the reasons why you would try to convince a person who does have good cash flow to not do it?
3: If you have a burning desire to do this business and you just can't see yourself doing anything else, you, you know, maybe that's a good time to, to hang on to the business. At the same time, too, the best time to sell a business is when you've got a burning desire for it and you don't want to sell it because then you're, you're in a standpoint where you don't need anybody's offer. Um, you know, you don't you don't need somebody to buy you. You you're you're doing good. You can walk away from any offer that puts you in the strongest negotiation perspective. Um, I, I find that, you know, I, I would just ask, you know, folks out there, why did you become an entrepreneur in the first place? Did you also read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like myself, or The 4-Hour work week, or some other inspirational book that, that was offering more freedom of time, uh, more affluence of wealth? Uh, was there something else that guided you to becoming an entrepreneur? And then if you, look at, if you really look hard at your life right now, are you working less than you would be if you were working for somebody else? Do you have more time now? than you would have if you had stayed at a corporate job and gotten you know two three four weeks a year of vacation, or are you a workaholic or are you just you know spending all of your available free time working on the business and is are, are have you isolated yourself from your family or your friends? look at your quality of life and just remember what was it that got you into being an entrepreneur in the first place because that for me uh was a tough realization when my uh when my children we we were out hiking. And, uh, it was the end of the day on Sunday and we needed to head back to the house. And my youngest was like, why can't we stay? Why why can't we spend more time doing this, dad? And I told him, I have to work to pay for our house and for all of our stuff for, you know, everything that we've got. And as soon as I said that, I realized myself, oh my God, I just said, I have to work. I I'm in my own job. I just created a job for myself. And it was a real harsh real realization for myself. I was working harder than I had ever been. I was paying myself much less than I had been when I was a vice president of bank of America. And I, I did not have the greatest work-life balance. So it was a real tough conversation that came. There was a number of them moments like that, that came up for me where I realized I was spending way too much time working and not enough time in quality time with friends and family and in relationships.
1: Yeah. I love that. So uh, help us know where can we start? What, what would be the way that a person who's thinking maybe they want to go down this road with you could get in contact with you?
3: Absolutely. I'm very widely available. You can, you can reach me, uh, Nate at website closers.com. Uh, you can go to, um, uh, MaximumExit.com is my website. Um, you, my book's on Amazon. Uh, the first thing that I would recommend is like, just are are you in the right category of, of whom I can serve? And even if you're not, if you're at a point in life where you're thinking that you're curious about what is your business worth or what may it be worth later, uh, if your desire someday is to have Uh, a little bit less uh, of a workaholic lifestyle, or if you want to, you know, put some time into a new passion. A lot of my clients, they come to me because they're bored, they're burnt out, or because they have a burning new passion for something else. And if that's something that, you know, you find yourself in, you'll know it. Um, Probably upon hearing these words, you'll think to yourself, uh, wow, is this really what I want to do forever? Uh, Or you may just be curious. "Hmm, I wonder how much I am worth. That's really where things start. Um, I help people with free valuations and and understanding what their business is worth. And then if it makes sense, it's really a two-way interview. I need to make sure that the buyers that I represent, the hundreds of thousands of buyers that I have would have an interest in their business and at the same time the person I'm speaking with they need to have uh, you know a trust and confidence in me that I can get them the number they're looking for and I don't want to list anybody that doesn't want to you know that doesn't want to sell uh, or or doesn't have a price that I can achieve and I just have a real frank conversation to learn what more about the business cuz I'm I'm trying to analyze what's the the cash flow, and then what's the multiple and It takes me a little bit of time to do that, but I can do those with the consultation and uh and help somebody figure out what their business is worth and A lot of times we may be architecting a transaction that's a year or two down the road, and I'm totally comfortable with doing that. I'd rather people have the right exit than just push things along or try to hurry out
1: well, Nate, thank you so much. There's so much more I know we need to go into with this. But I appreciate you getting the ball rolling for us and helping us understand all the nuances of being able to actually maximize the exit from our company.
3: You got it. Thank you, Steve.
1: How do you take what you've been doing and exit from it elegantly, exit from it on purpose? Um, You know, not so your business failed, not so you just got sick of it and left, but you actually have an intentional on-purpose plan for exiting from the business, for getting into your next business, to starting your next career, to taking this wonderful, amazing idea that you've had and turn it into something. What are the methodologies that you can employ to elegantly move from where you are now to your next I hope that you really have given some thought to where am I is this where I want to stay and what is my next is it staying right here where I am some cases that's true is it moving on that might be a possibility as well whatever your next is I want to help you and I'm so excited to hear about you learning how to thrive in all that you do in your life and business because you are uniquely brilliant you were created for a purpose and the world needs you. I hope you know that everything you do in this world is important, that it makes a difference that only you can make, that you living and being the best version of yourself, maximizing while it's called today, just making today the best that you possibly can, even when the things come up that aren't so great, to move beyond them, and step into the next best, in the next thing that you do. That is an amazing way to live as a thriving entrepreneur, and I so want that for you. I hope that you find yourself happy, safe, warm and loved, and that you are living as a thriving entrepreneur. Until we're together again next time, I appreciate you, I hope you find what is your next. And I hope you have a great week.
0: Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next
3: time.
4: is on a mission stand out with your brand out <laughs> It's risk-free, it's guaranteed, it's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve, reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now, what are you waiting for? Grab a pen, here we go. All you gotta do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com, book a talk with Steve. It's proven, it's guaranteed, it's gonna happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny.